Name a career in which you may not have to worry about performance and still get paid, uh, besides the weatherman. Well, of course you expect your broker to perform well, but what if they put your money in the market and the market doesn't perform? 50% chance of rain or sunny skies. Is it time you learned how to keep your principal and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is pre-recorded and brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show, Total Financial Hour, and AM870, The Answer, sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me on this hour of the program. We talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, stories that are interesting, things to do, to watch out for, maybe, maybe uh, to uh, to do a little bit more of when it comes to retirement and, and living, right? Retirement is not the same way. You've heard of this FIRE, right? F-I-R-E. It's this group of, uh, I don't know, 35-somethings, 35-year-olds, something like that. Work for 10, 12 years. Their goal is to never buy a house, never to settle down, never to build roots, not to spend their money on fancy cars or clothes or jewelry, but instead to save, 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 build up as much as they can for as long as they can so they can retire by the time they're 35, 32, whatever the age is. That's their goal. The challenge is this. If they don't have $5 million saved, and that's Susie Orman's number. I don't know. You got to do the math and see how much they spend, where they live. But according to Susie Orman, $5 million they have to have saved up in order for them to live for the next, what, 60 years, 70 years of their life, whatever that number is, and not run out of money, build in for health care costs, inflation, all the stuff that happens in a normal part of our life. If that's the goal, if that's the challenge, the risk, the worry, then make sure that whenever you retire, whatever the number is, that you can live the dream that you want. I don't know if it's $5 million or $1 million, but I think if you have multiple sources of income, that can certainly make that number a lot smaller than is required, right? If you have two pensions, two social securities, three rental properties, and four retirement accounts. Oh, okay, well, you may not need $5 million by that time because each one's giving you $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month. Well, that's kind of nice, isn't it? <clears throat> if there's a problem with one, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt the other. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to say, hey, listen, real estate market's down. Our home is vacant. We have to go back to work because you have multiple sources of income. Follow me? Okay. But that is not going to be the traditional way that most of us are going to live. It just isn't. We're not going to retire in 30, at 35 years of age. And mostly, when I say retire, they don't just sit around and you know on a rocking chair. They often go and volunteer or they work less hours. Okay, that's fine. You can still do that at any age. It's all a matter of what you spend. We have clients that make $80,000 a month, and they spend $85,000 a month. We have clients that make $4,000 a month, and they spend three. So it doesn't matter necessarily how much you make. It's how much you keep, how much you spend. As long as you're staying within those ranges, then retirement is pretty more likely than not. And staying retired, untiring, which is going back to work, untiring, 
is not just common enough for folks that are in their 60s or 70s who may have to go back to work. Maybe they retired early. Maybe they, the recession, when it was here, they decided, well, I'm just going to give up looking for work. Instead, what I'm going to do is just start Social Security at 63 years old. Well, all of a sudden, right, through an election, a new president comes along, cuts regulation, increases tax rebates back to you and me as far as uh, money in our pocket. By making those changes, what does it do? I think it gives people a chance that, you know what, I'm not done. I still have something to contribute. I still have a life that's left to leave to live. So what I want you to do is to look at a couple of things. For most people that come to my office, most retirees, their number one goal is to travel. Because it's a time thing, not so much a money. If, if you're, by definition, able to retire, it means you've, you've saved up some money. So traveling doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, for most people. It's the time. So when you retire, it's now having the time versus having the money. All right. So now we have some time. If you're working days and you saved and now you have the cash available, maybe, just maybe, it's time to travel. Now, wouldn't you like to do more of it and not have to spend cash, more money than you thought? Well, I'm going to give you some tips and tricks on on traveling. Some ways I think really that you can go through life and not give yourself a, a problem when it comes to spending more money and having to go back to work. All right. So AM870, the answer. This is what we talk about. We talk about living a quality life, a life with truth and clarity, a life with integrity, a life with doing the right thing, And also, imagine that, a life with enjoying the pieces and parts that come along with it. So here, number one, grab a pen and paper. I like this. We pull these from a variety of websites. Uh, And I I like to travel. My dad worked for the airlines, and then he owned a travel agency afterwards. So we flew for free, uh, what they call standby, and we paid uh, sometimes nothing. Sometimes you fly... uh, and you pay the taxes. But in most cases, that's that was our childhood, was going to Hawaii for the weekend or flying to New York for the summer or, or back to Michigan to see family or to Florida. So we would do whatever we wanted to do travel-wise as long as we fit within the airline schedule. But let me tell you when we would fly because there had to be seats available back then. And back then, a lot of the government airlines, a lot of the airlines, I should say, were receiving government subsidies. So when it was deregulated, That's when you saw airlines merging and you saw airlines going out of business. Can you say PSA, right? You guys remember that? TWA. Uh, See if you can remember some of the airlines. So as that was changing, a lot of the consolidations were happening. What did I notice? We always flew in peak and and off-peak times. Since you don't have to worry about leaving on a Friday afternoon after work, try flying on, oh, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I like Tuesdays and Wednesdays if you have a choice. Here's why. Because people are flying back and forth sometimes to get to work in the afternoon on Monday, right, or to begin their week. And they've pushed it to the last minute or their business owners or their political people. So they, you know, Monday is kind of a big day of travel. Certainly Sunday for vacation people, Friday for vacation people. But Tuesday, Wednesday, not a lot of people traveling on those days. I like it. Fly off peak, especially during the late morning or the early afternoon. Sleep in. You can get there. Nobody else is in a rush. Look at the prices. They go down quite a bit. And don't forget to get the discounts. AAA, 
pretty good discounts. AMAC, the Association for Mature Americans, they have discounts. As Dennis Prager says, listen, ARP is powerful. They are because America made them powerful. But they became a liberal. AMAC is the answer to that. It's not a, this isn't a commercial for AMAC. But the Association for Mature Americans is a pretty darn good group. Same discounts, sometimes even better when you, uh, when you add your morality to it, right? Veterans groups. Mention them when you book your flights because you could get substantial savings on hotels, flights, uh, rental cars. And a tip on rental cars. Let me explain something. Lock it down. Get it now, right? Get the reservation number. And then as you're getting closer to your trip, keep checking. Check in the evening. Check in the morning. And when you find a lower price, and we almost always do, you lock that one in and you can cancel the one prior. And by doing that, we have saved in some cases 50, 60% or more. So don't just book it and drop it. Book it and keep checking on it. All right? That's what I like about rental cars because you're going to get a big savings by the time it's all done. You're going to be somebody who can walk down and say, I'm going to take three trips instead of two because you're paying attention to it. Also, I want you to do this. We've talked about this in the past where giving, some, uh, giving loyalty to an airline or an airline group like One World or, or Star Alliance, right? An airline group or to uh, an airline. But don't forget to give loyalty to a hotel. There's been a consolidation in that. And if retirement is about enjoying yourself, right, less stress, less worry about money because you don't care about the markets going up and down because you have fixed and safe products. You don't care about the, the political uh, stuff that's happening, the social upheaval at your job. Every time somebody turns around, there's some sort of gossip. Forget it. You're done. Stay away from it. And you can do that. You can do that because you've saved and you've done well over the years. But take a look at Starward Hotels, Sheraton, right? You're going to see some of those. Take a look at some of the discounts that you can get online booking if you're 65 or older. You'll find a variety of places. I think that's important. All right. When we talk about traveling, it's a big part of it is, look, you're going to be building your financial life with a budget. Just because you're retired doesn't mean your income that comes in, you shouldn't be saving some of it for the rainy day, for the new roof, for the tires in the car. Those things are still going to happen. You understand that, right? It used to be a rainy day fund. Why? Well, because part of it, sometimes rain wouldn't come when you were a farmer. Sometimes it would come and you were a construction worker and you couldn't work outside, so you didn't get that day's pay. That's what a rainy day's fund, sometimes things just happen. You can't control the rain, can you? But you can control how much you spend. So come up with a budget. I don't know, save 10%, 20%, whatever it is. Build it into an account. When you feel you have enough, maybe it's six months worth of your expenses, maybe it's a year, I don't know, 60000 100000 whatever the number is. Once you feel like you have enough, that's your cushion. And you're doing that because when you travel, you may have some unforeseen costs that come along the way, don't you? We've done it before where we get to the place where we're like, are you kidding me? This is the hotel. The pictures made it look so much better. <laughs> There's a gap under the door. You know, On one side, it's two inches. The other side, it hits. You're telling me that this is supposed to be my, my bedroom? And so we said, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to a different place. And literally, we just said, we're not going to stay here. We went downstairs, said, we just want to check out, give us our money back. And they said, that's our best room. We said, well, then we're just not going to stay there. It was completely different than what we thought. 
So we had to go down the street. We didn't have the time, luxury of three months in advance. So you have to pay what you pay when you walk in the door. So you have to have a little bit of a budget in case you're traveling and things just happen or you're not sure. Today, with a lot of the reviews, the Yelp reviews and, and Google reviews, you can kind of get in there and get a little bit of, a, of an idea of what people say. But here's part of the challenges. You know, you got to learn how to read those because sometimes reviews on anything are given with a grain of salt by a competitor, by an enemy, by a hater. So you're going to say, well, you know, look, I get it. Ford doesn't like Chevy. I'm surprised. Of course, they're going to pick on their trucks. You don't. You have to look three layers deep to realize this guy, you know, owns a Dodge and they don't like Chevy. Oh, okay, got it. So look through numerous reviews. See if you can get a foundation of understanding. Is this the right thing or not? Okay, that's important. Okay, when you think about who's going, are you going to have special needs? Wheelchairs, uh, bathrooms with accessibility issues. Uh, on cruise ships, for example, if you can book early enough and you can get the handicap room, as I guess they call it, uh, the doors are wider. So that means you can wheel the wheelchair in. Well, it's nicer even if you're not disabled and you're trying to get in there. You can actually get in there, and it's nicer. There's more room between the bed and the, the end of the room. The bathrooms are larger. So, you know, if nobody needs it, you can book it. If they do, they'll, they'll bounce you out anyway. But think about this if you are traveling with somebody who needs a scooter, needs a little bit of extra room, a wheelchair, book ahead of time, first floor, close to the uh, elevator, whatever it might be, so that you're not somebody who's having to walk or deal with a lot of uh, issues. Because here's what happens when you're traveling, you're now retired. It's not about being grumpy. How many times have you flown with somebody and all they do is complain? They complain of this and they complain of that. Or you're at a restaurant. And nothing is right with the person next to you. You're like, oh my gosh, buddy, are you, are you kidding me? 10% of America can afford to eat in this fine restaurant and all you're doing is complaining about the whatever, the steak. That, that's, where, that's where you choose to spend your time, your energy, your, your, your breath? Are you that petty? Just ask for another steak. Get the chicken, right? Life is not that big of a deal. You don't have to be a, a jerk about it. Now, some of you are married to those guys. All right, well, I'm sorry. That's why you made that choice, not me. But if you now have a choice, if you can reach outside of yourself and look and say, you know, I'm going to be a softer person, think about that for a minute. Because sometimes somebody will actually allow you to, to be in their home, right? They'll do that Airbnb or the, some of those types of programs. There's something called a home swap. What that does is it allows you to exchange it. Almost like a uh, like a timeshare, I guess, for lack of a better word. You put your home up and you say, okay, I'm going to take a week of time. Uh, oh, well, you're in that community. Uh, a home uh, you know, next to the ocean might get you uh, for one week. You give up one week. Might give you two weeks of a home in, in the countryside of you know, Tuscany, for example. So sometimes there's a home swatch, a home home swap you can do, and that allows you to browse homes all over the world. You go and you can just search, uh, use a search engine. Bing is a great place to go. Yahoo, they'll walk you through. Try something new, guys. Don't be manipulated or controlled by one company. All right, you wouldn't do that. Here's another thing that I want you to pay attention to. You may need travel insurance because it depends on when you go. I'll give you an example. If I'm traveling in the summer, it's wonderful weather in Los Angeles. Hot, but that's okay. 
planes go on time, not normally a problem, unless you're flying into or out of the Dallas area or airlines that are hubbed there. Why? Because the thunderstorms in, the, in Texas can shut down the entire airport within minutes. And then it reopens again, and then planes are backed up. And then, so in the summertime, fly through the north, right? Fly and connect through Minneapolis. Fly and connect through, through uh, Detroit or something if you're going uh, east. Because part of what you do is to understand, I may have to have travel insurance because if all heck breaks loose and I get bumped and I get bumped to bumped again, it happened to me on a trip once, flying L.A. San Francisco, except the airline made a mistake. They didn't have enough pilots. Right, And so they had to bring other pilots, and then there was a delay, and then by the time the weather, and then the delay, and then they said, oh, sorry, the pilots have to go back to work, because they have worked too long, so they're going home. And of course, you understand when a flight crew is on the ground, they're not being paid. So the two hours, actually, I take that back, it was three hours, I was able to watch two movies. I was sitting in my seat, watched two movies, a three-hour delay. We didn't leave. It was a comfortable seat, so no problem there. But guess what? The pilots and the flight attendants weren't paid. And, you know, on a side note, we're talking about retirement. I was walking around after the, the second movie ended, and I, I go up towards the, the front of the plane where the pilot, there was a guy that was dressed like a pilot, an older white gentleman, gray hair, you know, just the kind of guy you want to be flying a plane is somebody with experience. And he's, st- he's sitting there, and I said, Oh, gosh, what happened? And so he explained to me, you know, here's the the deal, and we don't even get paid, and we're sitting here. I said, well, you know, I have a client who was a United Airlines pilot, and he had a pension of about $10,000 a month, but he had to quit working at 60. Today, at 65. They allow the guys to fly longer. But he had to quit working at 60. He was retired just a few years, and he gets a a letter in the mail, and it says, hey, uh, we're going to have to be filing bankruptcy. The times are tough. This was in, in the last financial crisis. Or you guys take a 60, 60, 60% pay cut. And he had very short notice. And so here, imagine yesterday you were living, and if you had 100% of your income coming from one source, which this particular pilot did, he went from $10,000 to $4,000 a month in income. Now, when I brought this up to the pilot, like, hey, this is a warning or watch out, of course he knew about it. And he said, you think that's bad? Our latest negotiations has taken me from 11500 down to almost 2000 a month. I'm like, oh my goodness. Now, you realize when I gave you a description that he was older, it isn't like he said, oh, well, I'm going to go back and be a, a doctor. You know, I'm going to go back to school, quit this job. And No, no, no. If you think the pensions are what they're supposed to be, what they tell you they're going to be, when you start a career way back when, I think they're going to be different. Whatever the promise was, whatever you expected, they've messed it up. It's over. There, there's a 100% chance that the state of California pension system is going to be different than what you thought it was when you started working 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago. It has to be. There just isn't the numbers. It's, it isn't a political thing. It's not a left or right or young and old or raise your fist or let's, let's protest wearing uh, you know, black uh, uh, hoods. I don't care what you do. You can yell and scream. It doesn't matter. One plus one is two. You've heard me say that. So realize, guys, for a second here, you have to plan. Because if you expect to travel, you need you need insurance. This is the backup. The insurance in your financial life, 
I like the fixed index annuity world. I like fixed annuities. I like safety. Gives you the insurance. Gives you the protection. When you're traveling and you got stuck in the airport in San Francisco, right? It was supposed to be L.A., San Francisco, San Francisco, uh, Germany. We thought, oh, it's a short little bump. Uh, no big deal. We can fly direct after that. Well, we got stuck in San Francisco. I had to stay the night. Travel insurance. Seniors, believe it or not, pay more for travel insurance, but because they're more likely to need it. Because sometimes things happen medically or, or physically. Pre-existing conditions can sometimes be a problem if you're older than 70. Some plans will actually waive those exclusions, right? They'll say, oh, okay, you have uh, back surgery or you have a knee problem. Okay, well, as long as it's not related to that, then we'll cover you. Or we'll cover that, but you're going to pay for it. So pay pay, uh, close attention to that fine print. Pay close attention to that because I think you're going to see that Part of the issue is that most of you that may end up using it, um, you know, you need to make sure it's the right one for you. All right. Look, this is kind of important because I think when you're packing, and I am not this guy, if I have a, if I have a problem when I travel, and my friends that traveled with me, my wife, they'll, they'll tell you, I, I tend to pack just a little bit more than maybe I should. And here's why. I hearken back to the days when you would travel on a steamliner from Europe. And it's a two-month journey across the sea. And you arrive in the United States and you're spending a year on your honeymoon, right? That's what, that's what the, the oligarchs used to do of the days. And they would travel and they would you know, visit and they would safari and whatever they would do. Well, they would take a big trunk, one of those huge trunks, and that was all their clothes. Why? Because you don't know what the weather's going to be like. You don't know, if, hey, you know, I don't feel like wearing those shoes today. So I tend to take a little bit more because I wanted to say, hey, look, I want to take all my clothes. I want to take enough because what if I choose to wear something else? And invariably, and this has happened to us both ways, we have traveled to a place that we thought was going to be cold and it was warm, so we had to buy shorts. And we traveled to a place that we thought was going to be warm and it was freezing, so we had to buy jeans and and jackets because we only took one or two. So keep this in mind. When you're traveling... Do your best to research. What's the weather going to be like? What's it going to be like when you go? Try to fit everything you can on one of those rollerboard suitcases. The reason for that is simple. You're not wrestling with several bulky pieces, but you're also not doing this. You're not having to wait in line down by the baggage claim. Because invariably, you're going to have two or three pieces and people stepping on each other and it's just a difficult experience. And then feel like you could do laundry, right? Have enough of a variety so you could do laundry. And one of the trips that I went on recently, we did do that. We took a little bit less clothes, but we also did laundry along the journey. Uh, and carry an extra set of eyeglasses. I do that because you could see me with my reading glasses sometimes. I always carry a backup. I just put it in my bag just in case I need it. If you wear braces, right, or retainers, carry a backup retainer. If you're gone for a little while and you wear your retainer every day or at night, ask me how I know this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I had to. So a small notebook is handy. I like to jot down notes. You'll see me take notes. You'll see me write down, play. What did I do this week? What's it fun? Do a little journal. It'll lessen your anxiety about forgetting details. Keep it next to your bed if you want. While you're preparing for your travel have the little ideas. Ask about uh, the culture. Go to restaurants. 
ahead of time so you can learn about the food. If you're traveling internationally so it's, and it's different, go to places where you can talk to the people that are from that area, maybe immigrants especially if you uh, can get the first generation. Learn some of the, hey, don't go here. This is the tourist spots. Avoid that. Here's the place to go. Ask those questions. I did that just recently with uh, a lady who's from Israel. I said, we may be going to Israel soon. Uh, tell me what we should do. And she said, well, I really, really like uh, uh, Jerusalem. I said, well, yeah, of course. That's, that's the typical place to go. And she said, well, any, I said, anything else? She said, oh, you really need to go to the Sea of Galilee. So ask those things, right? It's important. If you're there for a week or two weeks, you don't have forever to go visit. I have a client that travels, and one of the things they do is they learn a little bit of the language as well. They research the culture. They kind of lay out a map. That's part of the excitement. Every six, eight weeks, they're going somewhere. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's up the coast. As you do that, folks, it's a lot more fun. Enjoy retirement. That's what it's about. Feel like you want to take somebody with you, take your children or grandchildren, spend time with just them. All right, we'll be back in just a minute as we continue this hour of the program, the Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services. I'm Eric Hallaby on Triple Eight Ninety Nine Retire. Triple Eight Nine Nine Seven Three Eight Four Seven. We'll be right back. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show, the Total Financial Hour. TFS, Financial Insurance Services, that's who we are. Helping you get out of debt, manage money, plan for your financial life. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Hey, look, your family's future is about a couple of things. Number one, it should be about enjoying life. A lot of people uh, are building their financial lives for that moment, for that day. You know, one of the things that I've noticed that's, that's fascinating to me is when you look at the goals, right? The day you get married, I want to have children, I want to have children. I'd like to live here, I want to do this, right? You say, okay, yes, we're, we're the right fit, I'm in love, we're going to get married. So people do that based on whatever their goals were in their 20s, for example. And then now you're in your 60s, your goals can be quite different. I was mentioning to somebody recently, look, uh, women have a different, generally speaking, set of goals in retirement. It's often I want to fix up the kitchen. I want to redo the backyard. I, I want to uh, fix up the house. I want to remodel, the, change out the flooring, whatever it is. It's about staying close to home, right? It's the nesting or whatever they call it, right, right into the house area. For the man, it's I want to buy an RV, I want to hit the road. I want to travel the world. I want to buy a boat. I want to, right? It's leaving. It's going. And it's interesting how the guy is going and the woman is coming. And together you don't have a situation where they, they sometimes their goals are different. They're sitting down together and, and you go, oh, gosh. We have seen more and more couples traveling separately. They might do one trip together a year. Even when you're working, even in, in, you know, you've been married 20, 30 years. And one vacation, not, not a business trip, a vacation by themselves. 
Now, you can go to any extreme and you can say, well, of course, a bunch of guys and his buddies want to go hunting. And she doesn't want to do that. Okay. A bunch of guys, uh, you know, he, he and his buddies, they want to go fishing. And, okay. Right? I've done that with my boys and some friends. We can do that. But those kinds of exciting things are different than when people purposely plan, I'm going to go sightseeing here by myself. I, I don't know if anything good comes from that. Maybe. You know, look, oh, me and, my, me and my lady friends, we want to go see this show in Vegas, so we're going to be gone for a couple of days. All right, that's, that's one thing. But I'm going to take a cruise by myself for seven days. I think that's different. Right? I, I don't know if good stuff comes from that. Just, just a, you know, observation. Triple eight ninety nine retire. You have a travel tip, travel suggestion? We'd love to hear about it. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven on AM eight seventy. The answer. Okay, uh, traveling. What do we do? Make sure you take your medications. Make sure you take extra because if you are traveling internationally, sometimes they don't have the type of medicine or the dosage that you need when you're traveling. So our FDA and our uh, you know, F- uh, Food and Drug Administration tends to have rules that some might say are a little bit more restrictive. Some would say, oh, they're better. Some say they're more restrictive. Whatever the conversation is, when you fly to Europe or Central or South America or Asia, they may have a different method that, that says, uh, we don't prescribe the 100 milligram, we only prescribe the 300 milligram, or we don't, so we don't even manufacture the 5 milligram, we only have the 10. So whatever the case is, if you have particular medications you're supposed to take, take what you need and keep them in two separate places. So that if they're in one bag and you lose the bag or it's gone for three days and it's traveled around the world until they, they find it and bring it back to you, don't do that. Keep it in your carry-on. You can keep some in your checked. Take extra, but keep some in your carry-on. I've had friends that have had their carry-on stolen. All right, so... I want you to keep it in two different places and more than enough of what you're going to need and keep them in the original bottles. We have clients that are pharmacists. They'll tell you. They get phone calls, middle of the night. They get conversations, you know, middle of the day. Hi, I'm calling from so-and-so. Is it true that you prescribed this much to this person because the bottle was stolen, everything is gone, or they just came in and said they needed more? And we have no proof that, that it's them. My, one of my suggestions, take a picture of the prescription and or the bottle. And then just store it. What do you do? Email it to yourself. This way it's in the cloud somewhere. Don't just put it on your phone because if you misplace your phone. Put it in the cloud. Email it to yourself so that if you get to any business computer, any place you go, you can go online, print it out. Here's a copy of it. Here's what I had. Because we're talking life and death for a lot of you. It's liver, kidney, heart medications. These aren't just, uh, you know, little things that you might have a replacement. So very, very careful. Now, look, here's a, here's a tip. I don't know if I should say this on the radio in a big setting. I'll just tell you the facts. <laughs> Let's try this. If you are on a cruise ship and you have a tummy ache and you go to the, the gift shop and you say, hey, I want to... Um, do you have any Pepto-Bismol? Do you have any uh, Tums, uh, any antacid? They'll say, we don't, but go downstairs on the fourth floor 
and talk to the medical staff. Oh, okay. So you go downstairs, you talk to the medical staff. Surprise if you don't get quarantined. <laughs> they, they don't let you out. That's not a joke. They say, oh, we're going to keep you in here because you could be contagious. Like, no, 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 no. So everybody knows it's the place of no return. You go there, the rest of your vacation is going to be down in that. So take that medication with you. You might think you can find it. Maybe you can on shore, of course. But if you're in a closed setting, like a cruise ship, and your tummy hurts or you're going to need some medications, antacids, bring it yourself. Otherwise, they might think you have the norovirus and they might keep you quarantined and they have all rights under the sun when you're on a ship. It's, they don't use the, uh, the same type of rights you might think you have. And look, now think of it from their point of view. What if you really are sick? What if you are contagious? They don't want you going around and touching door handles and coughing on people and, and uh, passing it around. Right? We don't need another typhoid Mary running around a cruise ship. So those are some tips and tricks. All right. What about uh, when should you go? Like what time of year? I always want you to go in the spring and the fall because I think that's the nicest pl- times of the year to go. If you're going to go up north, you know, be careful if you don't like the winters. So leave in the summers. If you're going to go south, you know, the opposite. But realize that everybody else is traveling when they're out of work, vacation, kids are out of school. So this is a time for you to enjoy your life. But keep in mind, if you have your financial life, your stock bond, mutual fund stuff, the stock market stuff, if you are contingent on those things having to have to have you involved, then you have to be close to the a computer, the internet, cell phone, whatever it is. So you're buying and selling, buying and selling, whatever you're doing or have to do to manage your life if you're gone for a period of time. So be close to the internet. Be close to cell service. Because I don't want you, if you say, oh, I trust my broker, my, that's my broker's job. Okay, well then ask them, uh, what, what happens if you make a mistake? What happens if you guess left and everything goes right? Does the broker get punished? Uh, you know, I don't mean punished by by spanked or putting in time out. I mean, do they get punished by what? Not getting paid? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their motivation. Their motivation is to keep your money, right? They're not necessarily saying, oh, I'm going to give you, mm, you never lose, right? Right. The reason they don't like the fixed products, the fixed indexed annuities, because those are set it and forget it type programs. You don't pay a monthly fee. You're not going to get rich overnight. You may never get rich. The job is to keep your money safe and to grow it at reasonable rates of return. But when there isn't a mechanism in place to pay them a fee every month, every quarter, every year, of course they don't like it. I mean, why is that a surprise? Right? If your bonuses, the way you live financially is if people buy more RVs, if that's your job, to sell RVs, and suddenly somebody comes out across the street and holds up a sign and says, hey, you don't even need to buy an RV, you can rent one. You guys might go, oh, uh, well, that seems right. Do you think the person who just lost 50000 or $150,000 a year in income is going to be happy with that? Probably not. So take it with a grain of salt. Everybody has a fight, you know, what is it, a dog in the fight or an axe to grind. So make sure you're not in a position of saying, hey, I'm going to keep in mind that, that uh, one particular person's opinion. Look backwards. Dig deeper. 
see where their, you know, where their dog in the fight is, if, if you will. Okay, so I talked about leaving Sunday, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday. I really like Tuesday, Wednesdays. If you're flying, Tuesday, Wednesdays, to me, seem to make more sense. Okay, another part that I want you to do. When you check into the hotel, find the exits. If you're on the second or third floor and you have issues going down eleva- uh, the elevator, if there's a fire or something, you need to make sure that you can get closer to that exit and you can get down those stairs, whatever that looks like. See what it looks like. Check in and then count. That's what I do. I stayed in a hotel the other night. I was three doors from the stairway and across the hall. So three doors down, across the hall. It's just something I put in my mind. I do it because I've been in hotels when there's been emergencies. If you don't stay in a hotel very often, maybe you're going to be that one person. But you always have to know where the exits are. You do it when you go on a plane, and you're only on a plane for, what, two, three, four, five hours. They tell you where the exits are. They show you. They tell you to look behind you. Here you're in a sound asleep state trying to figure out, you know, where where am I? What city am I in? Who am I? And if there's an emergency, you're going to have to get out. So keep what's important to you in a bag, right? Grab that bag and run out if you have to. Okay. Very important part to the conversation when you're looking at at, uh, what you want to do ahead of time is look at the sightseeing places. Let me tell you, this is important. When we were traveling... We say, oh, we want to go see this place. Well, we arrived on a Sunday. It's closed Sunday and Monday. Like, oh, you're kidding. Oh, yeah, that museum is closed Sunday, Monday. Well, we had built in our itinerary to go see it on a Sunday, not thinking that, oh, it would be closed. Or you might think, oh, it's, I'm going to go on a Monday. Well, some shows in Vegas are dark on, on Mondays or Tuesdays, meaning they don't perform. So don't just go thinking everything is open all the time because you showed up. I want you to take a look ahead of time. Because some are not open to the public. But here is my favorite. Call around. Do your research. Because there are sometimes some really fun private tours or discount things that you can do that not too many people know about. I'll give you a good example. You can go down into the crypts. A little bit creepy. Right? But you can go down in the crypts of certain churches in Europe where they actually have uh, you know, buried people and bones and the Franciscan churches. It's kind of weird, but exciting, but they only take so many people. You have to book in advance. But it's a good experience to see. But knowing ahead of time, people would walk by all day long. People that live there probably don't even know that that's in the basement. People don't even know that there's entire uh, <laughs> artwork of the bones of the Franciscan monks. Right, so uh, what is it? Uh, St. Francis Assisi's, I think, is the one. Yeah. All right. Here's another big part of the trip when I talk about accessibility. Some of the places you want to go, the Big Cross in Brazil, some amazing places in the Middle East, they weren't built for people with wheelchairs or crutches. So although they're amazing, they may not be conforming to the ADA standards to get your wheelchair up the hill. And the steps, especially in a lot of ancient places, are not exactly, I don't know what it is, eight inches. Right? Some are two inches, some are six, some are ten. So they're not quite even, and you have to 
to navigate that. That's why I say, listen, when you first travel, the first, uh, when you first retire, the first 10 years is usually when you're going to be the youngest and healthiest and you have the time and you have the money. That's the time to enjoy life. That first 10 years, as Tom Hania says, is the go-go years. That's the time you go. You go. The second 10 years is the slow-go years. You stay closer to home. You've been there, done that. Mostly now you have grandchildren running around. You want to be close to family, friends. You're always going to recitals and baseball games, and you're staying close to home. And the last 10 years of retirement is the no-go years. You're not getting out of the house. You're not going past a mile or two or three around the neighborhood. Healthcare, those expenses start to kick in. You're going to spend a lot more of your money in, in health care than you are in travel, as you did the first time of the year, right? Or the first time of retirement. So I know a lot of us are want to leave something to the next generation. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It seems to be more immigrant first and second generation uh, families. I, I don't see it as a lot of, you know, my mom's side of the family. My mom's a Michigan farm girl. My dad's from Lebanon. So I see a difference. And the difference I see is this. You're going to see, you know, my dad is, I want to leave something for the next generation. I want to make their life better the next. Uh, if that's the case, you're going to, I think some options, consider life insurance. If you pass away, they get tax-free money. That's what life insurance is all about. We offer it. You can find uh, good policies out there. You want to have a conversation to find out which one is the best one. How much do you think you need? What does that look like? But what I don't want you to do is to save all of your money for that, that you were going to live on in retirement, live like a pauper, don't, you know, be afraid to, to buy a, a nicer car if, if it's time to get a car. You, oh, I don't want to spend my money. I don't want you dying with a million dollars in the bank and delay the fact that uh, I'm not going to go to Europe. I'm not going to buy the boat. I'm not going to you know, buy the buy the airplane, whatever it is that you want to do so that when you die, your kids can go to Europe and buy the boat and buy the plane because they have no emotional connection to what it took to earn the money. So spend the money that you've made and leave them life insurance, which is tax-free anyway. Okay, so there are ways to do that where you're not in a position to go backwards with your money and not in a position. Now, some families are like, ah, tough luck. I had to I had to work three jobs, and my kids have to work three jobs. I gave them a free education. That's it. That's all I owe them. All right. Well, then spend all your money and <laughs> give them a bounce check just before you die in a, in a wooden nickel <laughs> uh, and a letter maybe that says, good luck. Not really. Just decide. All right. Hey, uh, listen, last thing I want to uh, work on for you is, is for you to think about one thing that, that matters a lot to some people, and that is long-term traveling. Listen, retirement is about a few things. The total financial hour is about your entire financial life, right? And when I talk about getting out of debt, managing money, planning for retirement, being, being a, a person who loves to travel, charity, giving, that's a total financial package. But sometimes a long-term trip is in your, store, is in your uh, uh, plans. Do you know you can actually rent out your house for a year, do an exchange, Maybe somebody else is renting it every six months, every three months, and then they're coming and going, depending on where you live. And you can go live as if you were living there full time, whatever, pick central Italy. There are places that give you a car. They have a chef. They, they have a maid. And you rent a house for six months, three months, a year. 
And you use that as your headquarters and you travel, you come back, go look around in the countryside and come back. Take little vacations, stay two or three nights in a different country, come back. That gives you the chance to have a long-term trip. Maybe you always wanted to see what it was like to live in Japan, see what it was always like to live in Australia. And you can do things like that without worrying if you understand how to uh, you know, manage your financial life. Becoming a temporary part of the community can be particularly awarding. Rewarding. You know, settling down, staying a while, doing side trips. You've heard me talk about if you're considering retiring abroad, what to do. Two good resources. Let me give those to you. Living Abroad series. There's a couple of great books out there. And there's a blogs now. There's a lot of folks that uh, have lived abroad. You know, the wife took a job and the husband is uh, a writer. So he stays at home and he'll write a blog about what it's like to live in another country or, or live in another community. Uh, sometimes paying back. Uh, 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 what do you call it, medical school, right? They'll go to medical school in Costa Rica, go to medical school in uh, Central America or the, or the Caribbean. Well, they have to work there now for a while so as they give back for five years or 10 years. So sometimes that kind of trade-off can make it so that part of your life is now in a wonderful spot where you can say, this is what it would have been like to live here. Well, if you didn't have a chance to do that or you do have a special place in your heart for uh, Europe or some of the the folks that are just not as fortunate to be born in this country, which is, by the way, guys, remember this, you had nothing to do with that. So you better be thankful. You better be thankful. You didn't have anything to do with where you were born or what your parents were going to be. And that's good for some of you and not so good for others, right? A lot of us didn't necessarily want to be, uh, you know, some of our parents, right? Maybe you weren't happy with who you have. But what you do is be grateful. Being grateful will give you a couple of really big things. Number one, it'll let you see things that you never had a chance to see before. Instead of being that person that complains, listen, I had a family member. We used to to, to go places and they would complain about everything. Look at the bill. Some Somebody was overcharged, right? 50 cents or a dollar. Complain about the food. It's too hot, too cold, too salty, not enough salt. If you're with somebody like that, gratitude is not normally on the top of their list, is it? But what it is, is they forget. They forget that you were put on this earth to do something more than just consume. Because being a consumer of stuff, maybe that's what we're known for around the world is consuming stuff, right? Buying things. But think about it. If you end up doing some of these long-term trips or volunteer mission trips, I'm going to work four weeks building a church. I'm going to work four weeks building houses, and then I'm going to live there for four weeks. I'm going to give in Thailand, and then I'm going to enjoy the countryside or or the beach. You can do both things. You can work through organizations. There are plenty of really good organizations out there that have volunteer opportunities, that have the ability for you to have a life of meaning when you retire early. Forget the fire people, right? The ones that retire with 280000 and 150000 in their Roth IRA and da-da-da, and they think that's enough to live on. Maybe so. But I don't think that 30 years of your life, that that's enough to live on. I think you have to be smarter when you plan. But if you are, and you have multiple sources of income, and that's what we, we specialize in, is in getting you st- uh, systematic income if that's what you want. 
And that matters because then you can be 50, 55, 60, 65, even 70, and still be physically fit enough to take the skill that you've been gifted as a dentist, as an architect, as a teacher, and take those skills to other parts of the world. And you know what? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that's, that's a part of who you are and what you want to be. Believe it or not, you could actually do mission trips as well. And now you're not just changing lives. You're changing an entire community. In fact, you might even be changing a country. We have uh, some folks through our church that we know who've gone to a, a, a small country in, in Asia. I won't say the name. He's gone to a small country in Asia. His entire life, I think it's been 35 years uh, as a missionary, his last uh, 35 years of, of his life, has been to interpret. And He didn't know the language before he went. It was to learn the language and then translate the Bible into that country's language. That's amazing. Do you realize the difference that will have? Because it's a little country. It's a little obscure you know, language that isn't... Uh, Probably Siri doesn't know. Let's just put it that way. And it was to take that to create a difference, to build a life so that an entire culture will be different. Isn't that pretty amazing? What meaning? What difference? You say, oh, well, I have a love for that, too. And uh, I'm specialized. I, I was a real estate developer. Great. Now you have a source of income. You understand how to develop, how to build. You marry that with somebody in that same world. You take your retirement years, whatever, the next 5, 10, 15 years, and you build into it, making a difference that lasts for generations, and you do so honoring God, giving the credit to somebody else. You can take it if you want. That's okay. Put your name on the building. I don't care. People don't care. You understand that. All we want is a hospital. I don't care. You can call it... You know, like I mentioned in another show, Bozo the Clown. I don't care. Just get a hospital for the folks. You can call it anything. You want to put your name on that? Just build it. I don't care. You can get the credit. But if you're somebody to give the credit to somebody else, you just might be somebody who make a difference. In not just the first part of your life, but the second half as well. Thanks for listening to The Answer hey, on, uh, on AM870, The Answer. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial as well, on your place for news talk and information. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.